Advanced Sports Analytics Podcast. Today is Friday, March 5th, and we've got no NBA tonight on our first break since I believe one day after the season started, there was that off day, um, a welcome break for anyone who's been paying close attention to NBA this year. Um, I think a really good time to discuss some hockey. There's not much going on in the DFS world tonight. We have been rolling out or have rolled out our NHL tools and content for going on two months now and have found it to be a pretty fun DFS format. Actually, some pretty decent money to be made, uh, in our opinion. And yeah, we feel that we have some good tools to help new users get acquainted with uh, daily fantasy hockey play. Uh, so wanted to run through the slate in the absence of any NBA games tonight, specifically looking at NHL contests on Superdraft. Right now, their contests are pretty small, uh, but they, I think, are good entry-level contests. The payout structure on all of them is quite flat, not exorbitant uh, entry fees, and the contests are pretty small. So um, you know, unlike these massive contests where you really need to hit the nuts to uh, take down first place, you just need to have a really good lineup. You don't have to have a great lineup. Um, so I think a really good entry-level place to play. There are some other added advantages of gameplay on Superdraft right now. Um, overlay hasn't been huge lately. I think they've been doing a better job of filling contests. But I think it's just a new game format. The multiplier format of Superdraft is different from uh, DraftKings and FanDuel lineup construction. And I think a big thing is the scoring scheme is very different. Like super draft basketball scoring is kind of halfway between um, FanDuel and DraftKings. There's bonuses for three pointers and double doubles and triple doubles like on DraftKings. Uh, but there's added value for blocks and steals like you see on FanDuel. So, but you know, the scoring is quite similar such that I think you could plug in DraftKings or FanDuel projections into some sort of super draft optimization function and put together pretty solid teams using projections for those sites. The scoring on super draft for hockey, I think is very different from the scoring on DraftKings or FanDuel. Uh, we put out an article today on our Substack or on the site for subscribers to either kind of highlighting some of the differences. One that we noted is the ratio in fantasy points awarded for goals scored and shots on goal. In DraftKings and FanDuel, goals are worth anywhere from five and a half to seven and a half times as many points as shots on goal. So, you know, a significant ratio. On Superdraft, goals are worth 24x shots on goal. So, users who are using you know, crudely plugging in DraftKings or FanDuel projections into Superdraft, I think you're going to get punished if not using uh, Superdraft-specific kind of scoring considerations. Shots on goal aren't really that valuable. Goals scored are valuable. Assists are super valuable. Uh, block shots are actually 4x, I believe, uh, fantasy points for shots on goal. So the scoring scheme's a bit different. There's, um, there's no, like, bonuses for uh, three plus points or five plus shots on goal or 
I think goalies get like a 35 plus save bonus, no bonuses on super draft. Um, so I think when, when people don't have projections and tools that are closely fit to the scoring system of games that we're trying to play, I think that's naturally going to create somewhat inefficient gameplay. So a pretty good opportunity if you are using super draft specific projections or have a system for converting DraftKings or FanDuel projections to SuperDraft projections, I think you're naturally going to have a bit of an edge going up against people who you know, are using more generic projection systems. Also with hockey, there is a component of correlation that is not immiscible. Um, correlation is a huge component of play in football, as we know. Quarterbacks throwing to receivers are events that mutually benefit multiple players. We see that in baseball where a player who hits a three-run home run gets extra points for the players that are on base that they drive in. The players that are on base get extra points for scoring a run through the you know, production of the hitter. There's kind of well-known correlative synergies in both those sports. Basketball, to a lesser extent, yes, we have uh, assists for field goals scored, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, a assisted three-pointer is relatively small fantasy uh, production relative to the production that a player or, you know, any of the two players involved will achieve on a single game. And hockey, especially on Superdraft, where goals and assists are really upweighted compared to events like shots on goal, there's a really big reliance on building lineups that are correlated and have access to high ceilings through multi, uh, mutually beneficial events do sense that sometimes people underestimate the importance of playing players who stand to benefit uh, mutually from a single event like a gold score a goal scored and of course with hockey you can have multiple assists per goal further increasing I guess the net of players that can uh, benefit from a single event so as such, we do want to try to stack for, for tournament play, for cash play. I think just going with kind of a top medium projection lineup, it's a perfectly fine way to go. You know, no concerns really about playing skaters versus goalies that oppose them. But for tournaments, you know, I do think there are certain uh, settings that we can input to our optimizer to generate lineups that are competitive for tournament uh, style contests where there's you know, top heavy payout structure. First and foremost, just preventing uh, lineups where we have goalies that are rostered in the same lineup with skaters that oppose them. Rostering a goalie and an opposing skater just seems to cap potential upside for your lineup. For the skater to achieve a ceiling type performance, they have to penalize the goalie by scoring goals. For a goalie to achieve a ceiling type performance, they have to prevent goals scored by the opposing skater. So it's very difficult to find game uh, outcomes where both the goalie and an opposing skater can benefit and produce ceiling, ceiling type performances. I will say the one maybe most likely path where that could happen is if you're rostering a goalie and a defenseman on the opposite side, and maybe that defenseman racks up a lot of points through block shots. Uh, block shots are fairly valuable in super draft. I think one fantasy point compared to shots on goal, which is only 0.25. So we do have the option to prevent goalies from opposing, from being rostered with opposing forwards. I tend to go the full skater approach. Um, 
because we do want defensemen who do have the ability to score uh, via goals or assists. One feature we've added to our optimizer is the ability to build lineups that incorporate line stacking strategies. So we have this line stacks tab where we're outputting different lines, both forward lines and power play lines that have the highest cumulative projection per line. Um, and then we have the ability to input lines that we like within that group based on projections into the line stacking tab and select how many players we want to roster from any of the lines selected. So I'm looking tonight at the line stacks tab. Some of the top forward lines include Arizona's forward one line, Chicago's F1, Colorado F1, St. Louis F2, San Jose F1, uh, Arizona bubbling to the top as far as most projected post-multiplier fantasy points. They have guys like Connor Garland and Nick Schmaltz who are projecting quite favorably. Um, we do have a forward two line that's kind of projecting favorably. Tampa Bay's forward two line, uh, Anthony Sorelli and Alex Killorn projecting pretty favorably. Uh, if I go to our projections tab, yeah, we can see that we are projecting Killorn for you know, only about uh, 2.7 raw points, but he's got a 1.95 X multiplier on him. Sorelli projected for slightly more raw points, 2.92, but a healthy 1.75 X multiplier on him. So these are ways where kind of secondary players can be valuable plays when they do have these high multipliers on them. Some individual plays, uh, Alex DeBrincat, part of Chicago's forward one line starting left winger, he is projecting as one of the stronger individual uh, forward plays. However, there aren't a ton of players on his Chicago F1 line that have great projections. So while we are project projecting Chicago as the second highest cumulative line, we might not see them appear as much in projections if guys like Patrick Kane or Pius Suter or um, if DeBrincat is on Chicago's power play line, which he is with Kane, Bodquist, Soderberg, and Carpenter, you know, if these guys on his line aren't also strong plays, we might not see a ton of Chicago line stacks. We might just have DeBrincat as like a solo standalone play amid more balanced uh, scoring lines. So right now I've just taken like the top, uh, looks like top five forward lines. I'm sorry, top six forward lines and top six power play one lines. I tend to prefer when trying to stack power play lines to only go with power play one lines. Um, to my understanding, in short, minor, you know, two minute power plays, teams typically only run out their, their first line and let them play the entire power play, maybe sub out like, uh, you know, the, the back defenders or something like that. Um, but sometimes we do have power play two lines sneak up as showing high value where guys have favor guys in that line have favorable projections. And while they might make for strong solo plays, trying to play them within a line stack for a line that might only see the ice together 
on like five minute major penalties feels a little thin. So I try to focus on power play one lines. So I have it set where I am building lineups that have at least two players from any of the following forward lines, Arizona, F1, Chicago, Colorado, St. Louis, and San Jose starting forward lines, and then St. Louis and Tampa Bay's secondary forward lines. Selecting at least two players from any of those lines, and then also building a three-player power play line stack from any of Arizona, Colorado, Boston, Minnesota, LA Kings, or St. Louis's starting power play line. Been trying to spend some time thinking about like what is the correct stacking approach. Have been experimenting with building lineups that have uh, two sets of two-player forward line stacks and then one set of or a single two-player power play line stack. So pretty much three different stacks with two players in each have, I think, been leaning more towards this approach of going two forward lines and three, uh, two, sorry, two forward skaters on the same line and three players on the same power play line. The thinking, you know, between three or two um, with power play lines, you know, you do have, I think, more opportunity for back players to get involved in the scoring either as a goal scorer or a sister. So, you know, naturally these power play lines are five player lines as opposed to forward lines, which are three player lines. So I think just taking more players from these units that will be, that are known to be playing together makes sense. Uh, with hockey, you do have multiple assists, potential for multiple assists per goal. So, you know, the kind of ideal scenario there is you get a goal scored by a power play unit and you have the goal scorer and the two assisters. I think also, you know, we do have to roster defensive players and stacking power play lines and really expanding our power play stacks is a good way to get defensive players paired with offensive players with forwards that, you know, we will know to have good possibility of scoring together. It's my understanding that like the first or starting defensive line doesn't always play with the starting forward line. So trying to stack like three players from a starting unit, both forward and defender doesn't really guarantee that you will always have, let's say, you know, your right winger scores a goal. Doesn't necessarily mean that the starting defensive line will be on the ice when your wing player, when your starting wing player scores that goal. Um, so I do think triple stacking the power play lines is a good way to give yourself correlative exposure to defensemen, uh, who are able to get in on kind of the scoring or assisting action. So that's kind of one thinking for doing uh, three power play line mates and two forward line mates. I think also when you have three different lines, like if you try to go two, 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 certainly on super draft where there's only uh, seven skater roster spots. You have two centers, three wings, two defensemen. There's no utility skater. By allocating six of those spots to stacked players, you're really just leaving yourself with less lineup flexibility. And while putting together super correlated 
you know, there, there's, I think, a natural trade-off between correlation, uh, you know, players who stand to mutually benefit from events, and uh, there's a trade-off between correlation and just overall projection. By getting players who are on the same line, when event, when beneficial events do happen, that group stands to benefit massively. Um, but overall, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up for correlated failure as well as correlated success. Um, so by being too correlated, you do somewhat cap your, um, you, I guess, I guess you trade off some projection and in the DraftKings format where you have that utility skater, I think you have an extra skater spot. It might be like two center, sorry, three centers, two wings, two defenders utility, or maybe two, two centers, three wings, forget. Um, you know, you have just more flexibility to fill out your lineup with an extra, you know, uncorrelated kind of one-off player who ideally is a very strong projection, potentially not a part of a super projectable line. So by going two, 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 you really are restricting yourself. Um, I don't know. I haven't found it. I found the two, three approach to be a little more successful in the um, instances that I've, you know, been, been playing. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of the thinking around that. Do you think two, two, two is, you know, potentially viable, um, but have found a little more success with two, three and allowing for two one-offs as opposed to uh, just one one-off in a three-three type stack. So then when we run those rules through our optimizer, I've also set a bounce uh, bounce percent to 20%. So what that does, um, if we don't do any bounce, for example, I'm running just 100 lineups, we get large, uh, I guess, exposure levels for certain players and then just fewer players within our rostered player pool. So I'm running no bounce for a hundred lineups. And we can see like a hundred percent of lineups have roster uh, Ville Husso, who's go starting goalie for St. Louis tonight. They're giving, I think Bennington the night off. Uh, you know, Miko Rantanen at 87%. Like we just have really, really high exposures, which isn't necessarily bad. I mean, I think part of it is just a risk tolerance thing. Like if we have a hundred percent exposure to a goalie or, or even a skater, if we have 80, 87, you know, almost 90% exposure to a skater, like if those guys perform well, we're in an incredible spot to be profitable. You know, we have a bunch of lineups that have, you know, a really high performing core. That's a good thing. You know, we have many shots, I guess, to, get the right combination for the last, um, you know, if we have hundred percent exposure on a goalie, we have a bunch of opportunity to get the right combination of skaters. Or like if we have hundred percent goalie, 90% on a skater, we have a bunch of opportunities to get the last six skaters. Correct. You know, maybe Rantanen is a uh, unstacked guy who's just projecting really favorably. And we have, you know, hundred opportunities to get the right stack combo. However, you know, you do open yourself up to a good amount of risk if Vile, uh, you know, Huso rather puts up a dud and you have him in 100% of lineups, you know, you're at pretty high odds to just airball uh, for the entire night. So I tend to work with like 15 or 20% bounce. So I'm setting it at 20% bounce right now, generating lineups. And what bounce does is it says, 
you know, we build out lineups linearly, building the best lineup possible. If we're building 100 lineups, you know, we build the best lineup possible and then go on to build the second best lineup possible and the third best. So what bounce does is after each subsequent lineup build, it reduces the projection by, in this case, 20% of all players that were rostered in the current lineup and then goes on and builds the next best lineup with that uh, projection reduction. If in the next lineup, a player who has some reduced or bounced projection is not featured in the lineup, they will regenerate their projection by half of the delta. So if you know a player is projected for, let's just say two fantasy points, um, or rather, well, let's see, if they're projected for like two fantasy points at 2x multiplier, and they're rostered, that doesn't seem like that great of a projection. But if they're projected at like three fantasy points at 2x multiplier, so post multiplier projection of six, and they're rostered in the first lineup and bounces at 20%, we'll reduce that projection of six by 20%, which I think would take it down to like 4.8 post multiplier projection points. If that player is not rostered in the second lineup, we regenerate that projection by half of the delta. So delta is you know 10% or I, I guess 1.2 fantasy points. So we'll regenerate 4.8 by a half of 1.2 or 0.6. So that player's new projection for subsequent build is 4.8 plus 0.6, so 5.4. That player's rostered in the third lineup, we drop 5.4 by 20%. If they're not rostered, in the third lineup, we increase 5.4 by half of the delta. So now the delta is 0.6. So we'd increase 5.4 to 5.7 uh, and so on and so forth. So it's just a good way to generate diverse lineups. And also if you are MME kind of preventing lineups or players from clumping together, um, which I think is a valuable trait. So when we jump up to 20%, now Huso's only rostered in 50% of lineups, the top, rostered player is Anthony Sorelli, along with his line mate. I think that is Tampa Bay's second forward line, Alex Kalorn. So Sorelli is at 67%. Kalorn is at 58%. And I'd be curious to know that the right winger on that line is Steven Stamkos. Be curious to know what his exposure is. So he's rostered at 13%. So uh, you can kind of see how using the bounce feature promotes diversity within your lineups. Um, and then if I wanted to upload these 100 lineups into you know, a contest, I think actually the max contest size allows for 70 entries. So if I wanted to upload 70 of these into a single uh, contest, I could download and upload straight into Superdraft. Um, yeah, I found that to work pretty well. You know, it seems to be profitable to try to build these tournament lineups with some rules that promote well-correlated and stacked lineups, producing some sort of, uh, you know, variance within your lineups through the bounce and also preventing uh, capped ceilings by preventing goalies from being rostered against opposing skaters or opposing defensemen. Um, find those all to be pretty good features for building tournament lineups. So if you guys are interested in playing some uh, contests while we're on this, I think five night basketball hiatus, 
There's a ton of NHL uh, games being played over the next half week. Uh, Saturday, tomorrow should be a huge slate with some day games and night games. So I encourage you guys to check that out. If you are ASA subscribers, you can use our NHL power play projection and optimization tool to build and upload those lineups for Superdraft or DraftKings or FanDuel, um, you know, whatever floats your boat. Uh, have been pretty pleased with the um, performance of our projections and, and, and the lineups generated by kind of using this tool specifically for Superdraft. I think there's potentially some inefficient play on that platform. So encourage you guys to check any or all of that stuff out. And we will be back next week, probably not till Wednesday, to uh, get back into the flow of things with NBA slate, with PGA slate, and potentially some more hockey stuff if this is uh, interesting and uh, useful stuff for you guys. So we will talk to you then. Okay.